I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. I know. Everybody, uh, over the last three decades, popular UCLA screenwriting professor and co-head of the university's acclaimed screenwriting program, Hal Ackerman, has nurtured, mentored, and collaborated with hundreds of aspiring screenwriting students, many who have gone on to successful and award-winning careers in the industry, and having recently retired, champagne toast to him, uh, from his regular classroom assignments, Ackerman has turned his focus to impacting a wider global audience of both aspiring and already working writers with his revised and updated 15th anniversary edition, another bottle of champagne, please, of his heralded book, Write Screenplays That Sell the Ackerman Way, and uh, it was released today. Another toast. (laughs) Another toast, another bottle, no. Uh, Tall Fellow Press uh, published it, and it is available in hard copy and e-versions today, September 10th, 2017. And we're thrilled to have Hal join us on today's Big Blend Radio Champagne Sunday show. And, of course, you can go to tallfellow.com to keep up with all their books, including his book, The Right Screenplays That Sell the Ackerman Way, on Amazon, all those places. And you can also follow Hal on Twitter at Hal Ackerman. Welcome, Hal. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. good. We we feel like we needed a case of champagne with you coming on the show today because <laughs> the you. 15th anniversary, you've retired now apparently. You just got home from a, a big birthday trip from Italy, so are you even what? awake <laughs> today? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, I went with uh, these three pals of mine. We've been friends with each other since 5th and 6th and 7th grade. A uh, long wow. time, un- unbroken friendships, and uh, it was just uh, the most lovely trip. We uh, stayed at a place outside of Monte Pociano, uh in Tuscany. Ooh. Yeah, talk Ooh, about uh, wow. having nice, talk about having nice uh, bubbly there, and uh, and great. It was quite wonderful. That is uh, awesome. Yeah. Also, interesting transition. Uh, uh, Tall Fellow Press being the publisher, and the last group you played from Tall Men. Uh, so I it's a perfect know. transition. I know you planned it that way. Yes. Yes, we do we that. Like, we like tall. We, well, and especially <laughs> we like tall men. But anyway, <laughs> but, but tall fellow press. We like, but they actually have a small fellow press too. So they they're cool. They 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 like oh. tall and small. But we <laughs> planned it that way. But I just figured because of your birthday trip to Italy with you know friends that have been together since you know fifth and sixth grade, it kind of it, you know to me. And we were talking about parenting before you got on the show. We had to play when we were bad that song from the tall men because. There's stuff that we all did when we were kids. I mean, come on, you you, you had some naughty moments, didn't you? Uh, one or two that I can possibly recall, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about any of them, but uh, <laughs> but, but as uh, as all of our pals were getting together, of course, those kinds of stories uh, um, came out. As, as one of the great things about having friends that long uh, is that all of us have been witnesses to our entire lives. Uh, which I think is a really important thing. Uh, I think I think it's kind of unique. I'm not sure that I know of uh, like a pack of guys that have grown up and stayed friends with each other, uh, you know, in all the years that we have. Um, and just to know so many people, or a, a small group of people, but to know them so well, mm. that, uh, and, and, and all of us, you know, you know, at this age, none of us have escaped, uh, you know, tragedies in our lives. Uh, deaths and divorces and all that, and we've all been there with each other and for each other through the joys and uh, you know and, and the hardships and uh, nothing is hidden. And it's I think it's I think it's more common with women to uh, you know share the deep emotional things that go on in their lives and less so with men. But uh, but we have that. And it's, it was just it was just really quite quite wonderful. Uh, 
to to observe that and to and to recognize it and to share it once again. And and all of us have have mates. Uh, some of us, um, you know, have uh, have been married to one person uh, for all the years. Um, one of the guys uh, and his wife have been married for fifty years, and others wow. of us have had, uh, yeah, right. And others have had, uh, you know, sort of multiple marriages. I, I think that I uh, lead a league in, uh, with four. Uh, well, rock on! <laughs> thank you very much. Right, but twice were, a life. <laughs> but they were not. They were not simultaneous. At least. They, they, they were. <laughs> um, I, I feel a, a screenplay coming. I know. On. That's what yeah. I was going to say. I was like, because you know, because when you when some of the favorite movies, you know, you look at Stand by Me as when you start as kids, you know. And then you go to things like The Big Chill mm-hmm. and movies mm-hmm. like that. There's those, you know, when you have friends like that, you can't get away with anything. There is That's... absolutely no BSing allowed, and you, there's, you, you, you just can't. And, and then you're still going to have the, the most purest times, no matter how naughty they are. If you're going to laugh, it's going to be like the, the good laugh, you know what I mean? That's and it's absolutely pulling, right. yes. pulling pranks yeah. on friends like that is the best. Oh, absolutely! It's so much fun. Yeah, I like that. We, yeah. Uh, three, uh, four, all four of us actually also uh, we, we uh, roomed together when we were in college. Uh, we all went to Queens College in New York City, uh, which oh, was wow. not a it was not a dorm school. It was really a commuter school. Uh, but and all of us kind of lived in a suburban town called uh, East Meadow in Long Island. Uh, but uh, for the last two years that we were there, we, we rented an apartment together. And uh, I mean, talk about hilarious! I mean, it was in a it was mm. in a regular apartment building where regular grown-ups lived. And I'm not quite sure they knew what hit them, but uh, <laughs> but the pranks we played on each other, we, we sort of relived. Uh, you know, <laughs> a few, uh, I do see a screenplay uh, coming too. out. I on see this. a TV yeah. series. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> speaking of writing, you know, because I know you, you you're an author as well. You've written a number of books. You've written plays. You know, all, so many different things. And of course, you've helped so many people move on and be successful. One of Nancy's favorite movies, The Terminal. You taught that screenwriter. And um, I wanted to ask you is before we get into the nitty-gritty of screenwriting, sure. you know, when, when you look at the different styles of writing, does writing a screenplay help you to be a better author and get to the quick of it? That's interesting. Um, I mean, I've written, uh, as you said, I, I started as a playwright uh, in New York. Well, I started in junior high school writing song parodies and um, going from classroom to classroom to annoy as many people as possible. But um, <laughs> and, and, and then graduated to, to plays and I was a playwright for a bunch of years in New York uh, off, off Broadway and then um, I came out to LA and sort of switched from writing plays to writing screenplays and then I sort of switched from there to writing short stories and novels and they're all, there's something similar about all of them uh, but there's something different about all of them and I think they do inform each other in interesting ways um, a lot of people who read my screenwriting book uh, who were novelists had said that that the ways to talk about story and character helped them very much as you know mm-hmm. in writing mm-hmm. in writing their novels. Um, but I think what is very different about all of those things, novels and short stories and plays and movies, is the subject matter, the things that you that each of them gives um, uh, the, the best way of accessing. I, I mean, movies especially these days. Uh, you know, feature a lot of, you know, big action. And, you know, there's kind of visual things that you can do so well in the movies that you can't do in anything else. And um, mm-hmm. more and more these days, I, when, I, when I first came to Los Angeles, um, it was in the 70s, and it was really a golden age of movie writing where mm-hmm. uh, a lot of some of our great films were being made. And, and movies were then still trying to explore the human condition. And now I think it's mostly trying to escape the human condition. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, but uh, you know the industry has changed a lot. <laughs> I don't even want to start on that one. <laughs> right, but if, you know, if you look at, at the kinds of things, I mean, when I first came out, it was in I guess in '71. There were writers who were writing for screen, like meaning movies and television. There was a real strong dichotomy between television writers and film writers. Uh, there was a hierarchy. And if you were a television writer, you were really looked down on by right. feature film writers because that was the elite. But that, as you well know, has totally changed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right now, the best writers are trying to get out of movies and, and are writing for television. So, and television is really doing now what independent films used to do, which is truly, uh, you know, exploring, you know, the truth of, of humanity and and being able to write 
you know, to, to have characters that are not just uh, hallmark, hard, feel-good kinds of characters, but, you know, dark and multidimensional. And it's, it's just the most exciting time right now for writers. And um, um, I think it is. And, yeah. I think if you look at look at Netflix and Hulu, right, Netflix changed it. I think HBO kind of started with that, right? I think it's so interesting to be able to watch exactly like we want the real stuff. We, I mean, we don't want TV shows that take away half the words because we have to be polite. I think we're I think we've changed into not being politically correct on TV, but we have to be everywhere else. Well, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting changeover where the characters are really being more realistic to me. I think the characters are just uh, incredible what you watch on, like Uncle Saul. I keep calling him Uncle Saul. Call Saul. I know it's another character that pops up on our shows once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. We have Uncle Saul and Hot Mama Babushka. But anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, don't you think with Netflix, I mean, when people are writing a screenplay, does it change? According to now, this could be something that is streamed where people binge watch? Um, in in, in uh, television, absolutely. Um I mean, you're absolutely right. The way in which television is watched now has changed drastically in, in the sense of, you know, you, you can watch an entire season, you know, in a couple of nights. Um, uh, and that's, there's something that has that takes away a little bit, I mean, in the sense of week to week sort of waiting for the next episode of a show. Um, but, of course, people's attention spans have changed so much as well that you don't want to wait. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the binge watching has done that. But I'm glad that you mentioned Better Call Saul, which is one of the terrific, terrific shows. And uh, one of one of our UCLA uh, commandos, uh, Heather Marion, um, wrote actually a couple of episodes for that. And uh, uh, so very proud of her for that. Uh, but it, it, it is. A, yep, absolutely. Um, but I think you're but I think you're also right about HBO starting it. Um, uh, you know, The Wire and, and The Sopranos, uh, I, I think they were the real pioneers, and uh, they opened the doors for so much of everything else that, uh, that followed after, uh, you know, dark characters. And um, one of the great things that HBO did, uh, which movies used to do and don't anymore because they're all the movie studios and now all owned by corporations, and the level of, uh, of uh, bureaucracy that a writer has to go through just to get, you know, uh, page one to be written is astonishing. But what mm. HBO was smart enough to do was to give creative people carte blanche and said, mm. okay, we trust you. Uh, you deliver the product to us and you to go through 17 vice presidents and, uh, you know, people who, uh, you know, have committees of people uh, and focus groups in order to say, you know, what is going to get to get on because that just homogenizes everything so ridiculously. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that you mentioned, of, you know, that the Netflix shows, the Hulu shows, the HBO shows, um, I think a great deal of their success uh, stems from trusting uh, a creative voice uh, to deliver the goods and, and deliver they have. But there's, there's also this thing of being able to be more real. Like when I think about Beaver Cleaver, Beaver yeah. Cleaver's <laughs> mother and father do not uh-huh. exist. I'm sorry. My uh-huh. parents never looked like them or talked like them or acted like them. I mean, nope, she always had right. these new dresses and she's in the kitchen and it, it, come on you're not making a cake in a new dress come on <laughs> you know, she, has, she never had curlers in her hair my mom always had curlers in her That's hair right. it was like well, right. you know it's you know, it just slippers in an old robe, you know, and that Did she have a cigarette hanging in her mouth? No, she didn't smoke. I'll give her that. But a little uh-huh. nip of whiskey here and now, yeah. <laughs> That's right. The hairdos and the dresses, you're right. And and I nobody know, and ever knew nobody ever knew I what Ozzy Nelson not nobody ever knew what Ozzy Nelson did for a living. Uh, yeah, that's true too. What did Ward do? He he worked for Uncle Saul. Not, <laughs> you know, but yeah, there there is a big changeover, and I just I, and it's interesting because you you mentioned you know uh, your students' names, and you know the first thing when we got your book, and Nancy's yeah. by the way hounded it, and and that's now she she it, like owns can it. Can I just say this is an intense book? It's so well written, but it's big. I mean, I feel like I'm taking a course here. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I, I will. I am going to go back. I had to be prepared for today, but I'm going to go back and do the exercises because I think they're a hoot. 
Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you do. I think they're very helpful. All, everything that's in the book uh, derived from, you know, I taught there 30 years. Uh, and and uh, everything that was in there was, um, you know, things that, that we, we talked about in class and, and the exercises that uh, derived from class. And, um, and they always, I mean, they almost always had wonderful results. One, one, one of the most uh, fun ones is a, is a thing I do in every single new class I have in the first session, whether it's a small seminar or even a large uh, lecture class. Sometimes I do an undergraduate lecture, and I, I call it the cringe exercise. And um, everyone is challenged to write down a list of six or seven or eight, maybe ten, just one line, just quick one line, of things that they did in their lives that when they think about them, it makes their body physically cringe <laughs> to remember it. Um, Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Like, you know, when you set up your dating profile, you know, you're kind of sending an avatar. You know, know, like you're going to right? It's like the best best of yourself. But who is that person? You know, he or she doesn't exactly exist. Um, but the real part of us, uh, you know, the things that differentiate and make us real people are the things that we did that we just, ah, I really do that. I uh, made my own road in South Africa one night when I had too much to drink, and I'm glad it was in a different country. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm so glad you tell every that, everybody that on a radio show. I started on the sidewalk and decided it wasn't good enough. I know. <laughs> But, I mean, He's it, not allowed really, to drive today. No. It, I am, but so, I don't want to. <laughs> it, it's, it's so interesting how honest people get, even just doing that, uh, you know, the things that they reveal about, them, about themselves and, you know, all the boyfriends, girlfriends that people slept with or the you know, terrible, you know, feeding their, 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 their pet cat LSD and, uh, you know, various oh. uh, acts of, oh, of wow. bodily functions taking place in places where you wouldn't expect them to take place and, uh, well, I mean, one, the most touching one, one person actually uh, came out as gay for the first time um, oh, wow. uh, you know, in, in one of those things. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite wonderful. And then, and then we read them out loud. Um, and one of the great lessons that you learn from those, because, you know, these are things that, that ordinarily you would think that you might really be ashamed of. But the responses that come, you know, people laugh hysterically. And at the end, I'll point out to you that did anyone here, you know, would anyone here refuse to be a friend of the people who read these things? And, you know, nobody, of course, you know, because you're revealing something that is so true. Uh, and then the, the and, and so it tells you something about how to write characters, that, that, mm. that what draws an audience to, to characters is not, you know, that they pet the dog, uh, but maybe they once smacked the dog and knocked a tooth out. Um, you know uh, the, the the darker side of us. When you're in a restaurant, and you know if there's you know people sort of just chit chatting, and what did you do today? Oh, I had a nice time. What did you do? I had a nice time. You're not listening to them. But the couple next in the next table that are breaking up because she just found out that he had an affair uh, with mm. his secretary. You know that's who you're listening to. That's uh, right. Because so, <laughs> it's way more exactly, interesting. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and then and, and then from that exercise, I have them pick one of those one of those things from their list and to write like a two-page prose story uh, based on that. Oh. Uh, and, so, and so now they are, you know, they're, they're becoming storytellers and, and they are writing about something that nobody else in the universe could ever write because mm. it's something that happens specifically to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, a lot, and sometimes in the, in the large lecture classes, these are people who are not going to become screenwriters. They're physics majors and, uh, you know, math majors and history majors, and they've never really delved into the creative process. But they get such a charge out of actually being able to do something that they never do before because they're so, you know, in all of their other classes, there's, there's one right answer, especially, in, you know, in the math world. Right. But here, hmm. they get a little, some, some of them get a little flummoxed because they're allowed to write anything and there is no right or wrong about it. And it's challenging, but it's really exciting for them ultimately. And uh, it's just so much fun. So that's just one of the exercises. And uh, uh, you know, I think what, it's what, super cool because to me, mm. it's about developing the character. And I think that's what goes back to what we were talking about, like the mm. shows on Netflix. You're seeing these characters do things that you know they go into those really dark places of a character, mm-hmm. and they go into places that TV's never shown before. You'll that's see right. it on the movies. 
And it just shows we still want the epic because we do binge watch. Like if they just made them all movies, we'd still watch it that way, right? Mm -hmm. But if the characters are doing things that we know deep down they did, and then it's in front of you and you're like, holy cow, look at that, man. I mean, there's just, there's things. And and like even Orange is the New Black, look at that. Oh, wow. Look how crazy. They push the envelope on that every time, but they don't go... They go over the top, but it's not over the top of realism. But it's it's believable because totally you, believable, and it's the yeah. characters that you're invested in. Everything that you watch, I think, is always the character. If mm-hmm. it's a book, if it's a movie, it's the character because we always want to identify. And isn't it tie into like half the time we like the villains because there's some they have some quality we at, we're attached to in some way. Yes, absolutely, exactly right. Uh, but that's the beauty of this, you know, this cringe exercise. You know, it touches exactly what your point is, that people are revealing these dark sides of themselves uh, that, you know, that we usually would keep hidden, but, but it can be celebrated. Uh, you know, one of, the things that, uh, one of the things that I try to teach, uh, and I do one of my first lecture classes, uh, in the classes I'll put a big circle on the board, and in the middle of it I'll put the word theme. And uh, a, a lot of stories, um, uh, and when we, when we study literature, you know, in high school and college, the teachers almost always want to talk about the theme, you know, what, what does it mean? And I think that the reason they do that is because they themselves, have, many of them, have never actually written anything themselves. And they have, the, they have the luxury of looking at a piece of work after it is finished. And they can say, oh, what well, the meaning of this or what the writer intended was such and such. But when a writer starts to work on a piece, all we have in front of us is what isn't done yet. Uh, mm. and, uh, uh, you know, and so mm. all the questions are absolutely unanswered, and some of them, many of them are even unasked. And you know, sort of, there's a vision of kind of like a, like a chasm in front of us, and how do you get across it? Well, you can build a bridge across it and say, okay, the theme of this is going to be Adult, you know, adultery leads to murder. You know, that's that's a popular theme. You know, back in in, 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 mm. in a book by Laos Egri. Uh, well, if it helps the writer because okay, we're gonna now we have a bridge and we're gonna have adultery and it's gonna lead inexorably to what the theme says. It's gonna lead to murder. The problem with that is that fifty pages into it, the audience is gonna be seeing so clearly exactly what the what the sto- where the story is going to lead. Uh, which is not fun if you're in the audience. No. You don't want to know the answer. You want to be surprised and delighted. You, want to be, you don't want to be instructed. You don't want to be led by the nose. So I cross out the word theme, and I erase it, and I put in its place the word desire. And mm. my, the, 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 the most important thing that I, that I can try to teach uh, you know, fellow writers is that not just the major point, the, the major thrust of the story, but every single moment in the story needs to be generated by what the character wants and what he or she will do in order to get it. And that makes mm. everything absolutely unpredictable. And it allows the dark side to become desirable. There is, there's a movie um, called Heavenly Creatures, it was an early movie. It came out in the early 70s. But it's about, uh, it was done by Peter Jackson, who later on did all those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, 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 movies, I think. I'm, I'm sorry, just blank. Uh, just back in Italy. Sorry, I'm blanking on. But, uh, um, oh, sorry. Anyway, he did all those movies with, 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 with their little creatures. Uh, in any event, uh, this is a story about two girls, teenage girls, who wanted to stay together. They had an intense relationship together, and it's, it was set in the 50s, and it scared the heck out of their parents. Um, <laughs> they didn't know, was it sexual? They didn't know. But these girls wanted so badly to stay together that what one of them did was bash her mother's head in with a brick. Whoa. No way. Yes, yes. Uh, and this is, by the way, based on true events. Now, if this was a story that was based on theme, the theme of the story could not be nature side is good, and of course I'm talking to you people about this, uh, and that the girls would have to be punished for it. Um, but since it was written from desire, at the end of the movie, these girls were separated. One was sent off to Canada, and the other stayed in, in New Zealand. And they didn't see each other for another 50 years until, the, until the, actually the movie was made. But if this were thematic, our, the audience's thoughts were, yes, these little brats need to be punished. 
that had to be the that that would have to be the thrust mm. of the story. But since it was written from intimacy and from desire, what the audience felt at the end of this was, oh my God, how terrible that they are being separated because they wanted so badly to be together. And when wow. stories can be written from a level of intimacy, even the most heinous acts can be, if not forgiven, can be excused because the, the, the essence of it is that intimacy always trumps morality. Wow. Um, and, and that is what allows all these dark stories, you know, like Orange is the New Black. Every person in there has done something in the outside world that is socially unacceptable, and yet we care about what happens to these people. Well, why And is we that? like them all. Yeah, and, and we, we like, like them all. This, this touches on our primal side because we all know that we have that fighter. There, that's who we are. Where we've got that animal side, right? So there's that primal side that we have. And, and it's called human. And it's interesting, you, you know, <laughs> when you talk about that because, you know, they want to release the one um, – Person part of the Manson gang that held ev- the oh, they'll parole her. Yeah, they uh-huh. want to let her out. I and it's, and yep. then you read what she did, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is like, don't come. You know, put yeah, but, my head in a in a <laughs> pillowcase and stab me seven times. But then, but you then, know? if she if she was one of the characters in Orange Is the New Black, you might you'd go let her free. <laughs> Or she broke out, you go, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> or she stabbed someone, it's like, yeah, well, that happens. You know? How interesting, you know, going but, from that primal side. I think it's about um, letting a person go on a journey yes. with a character instead of being told the character is this and you have to think about the character in that fashion. I know when I went to art college and starting out as a, a career with a, as being a painter, the teacher would come around and go, what's your color scheme? I'm like, my what? And no, <laughs> these colors go together, these colors do not. And I'm like, well, I want to pick and choose what I want. I don't want to do the color scheme thing because that's more like decorating your house and sofas and carpets. <laughs> things. Exactly. You know, and so we didn't get along real well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I wanted to paint what I saw and experienced whether or not the colors had a color scheme. You wanted yeah. to discover it for you, so you wanted to discover your own vision, basically. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to express your own vision. Well, that is exactly what an artist does. Yes, you're absolutely mm. right. So, uh, but, go by ahead. the way, Lord, the thing that I was trying to think of with Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, it was that, it was that whole oh, okay. yeah. subsequent oh. to that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm. I'm on a five-minute uh, delay myself here. So. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it's like I know you've, you've been, you know, flying and everything. But here, at the end of the day, too, like I look at what you're talking about with this theme thing. You know, just about every artist and musician that comes on our show talks about this issue of being pigeonholed. Like, yeah. you know, there are some, like some country musicians and blue mu- blues musicians and jazz that are just really pure in this art form. Like I am you know, old school, traditional country, you know, and, and there's, and, you know, there's a, there's, that's your thing. That's who you are. But then there's a lot of artists who are mixed media. It will be photography one day, tomorrow I'm doing pottery and I'm going to mix it all together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then there's musicians who want to do a little bit of everything and they're good at it and it's their own sound. So I think there's this weird thing that happened where, and it's almost like actors get typecast. Oh, if you're that's a horror, right. you know, if you can do carry, you're carry forever. That's you know? what you get to be. That's yeah, right. you can't ever do anything else. <laughs> you can stab people, you're a stabber, you know. So I love what you're talking about. She stabs well. Yeah, because conformity is really at the end of the day. Now, now we're starting to lose art, aren't we? When when that happens. Yes, I mean it. It becomes pure commerce, and uh, you know, acting. When you talk about actors becoming typecast. Uh, you know, the word that would be used today would be they have a brand. Um, mm. And branding, yeah. you know, is is, uh. is is the word these days, you know, uh, which is true. Uh, and it's true with writers, too. It, it, it's hard. You know, once anybody makes their first splash, uh, whether it's mm. a writer, an actor, uh, a director, they get branded. They get typecast in a way. And, it, and for a little while, it's good because um, – you know, because it makes you employable at the beginning of your career. 
Right. Um, you, know, you get on a certain list of people who would be the, the comedy guy, the tragedy guy, the super, you know. Uh, but, you know, a, but, you know, anyone who has real creative juice around them, uh, you know, they don't want to just do that. The reason they, they become into these professions is not to be branded. It is to become, you know, to be expansive. It is to, uh, to make noise on the instruments, you know, to just do what gives you pleasure. Um, and one mm. of the difficult when you start to be doing the things that you do just for joy, when you now want to do that to be the source of how you contribute to the gross national product, you know, what you do for a living and become professional in something, there are, you know, there are realities about it. You know, there are, there are truths, there are certain sacrifices, there are certain things that you're going to have to fight against, uh, you know, which includes being typecast, which includes, um, you know, w- what your vision for your own life is going to be. Do you want to be, you know, somebody who makes more money than anybody else and write the blockbusters? Do you want to, uh, you know, write small independent films where you get to have your own voice, but maybe, you know, not, you know, not sell a uh, hundred million tickets in your first weekend. And, and, and writers have to make those kinds of choices. Sometimes they're not easy choices. Um, mm. You know, yeah. yeah um, when, uh, reading your, your, um, through your book here, you're pretty, you mean his course? Uh, it's yeah, really, it's, it's a course. It is. It's a class. <laughs> and it's updated to now because we talked about the changes. No, I got, you know, I got like to the third chapter, and it's like, well, if you really aren't going to be a writer or a screenplay writer, then you would quit because it's intense. All these exercises, you know, and I, I can see where people would read through it and then go back again, and then maybe go back again and get serious about it because this looks like a lot of work, and I think. That you know you're talking because because with the artist brain you want to do what you want to do, but no matter what you are confined to um, here's your canvas and your paints, here's your your musical instrument and yourself, here's mm-hmm. your uh, screenplay and the format. I mean the first line has to be all in caps and the second line has to be this, and you have to now fit into a formula. And that's what I think is so hard. Mm. Uh, well, that's part of what's hard. Uh, you know, there's, there is certainly the art of it, and there's the craft of it, as you're talking about it. And a screenplay itself and a teleplay itself, uh, they, they are odd things. They're not like any other written form, really. And uh, even though the content of what is going into them has changed drastically, and the kind of way the form itself uh, archaic as it is, has stayed pretty much the way it has always been, uh, because hmm. it, I mean, you know, everything is written as a scene, um, you know, and, and the way movies are and TV are actually uh, shot is they're shot out of sequence. Uh, so you have to, there are certain wow. uh, you know formulaic things that have to be there that help the, in the actual production of the script. So you have to see, you know, that the, the opening thing that what you're talking about there, what's called the slug line has to tell mm-hmm. you, you know, what the location is and who's there and where it is so that the, when it actually goes into production, uh, you know, you might shoot all the scenes that are set in Clancy's bar, which in the movie might be, you know, three days apart, a month apart, you know, but they're all going to be shot right in, in the same, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in a couple of days because they're the same actors that are contracted, you know, are contracted for a limited amount of time. You may have that location for a limited amount of time. And it makes it difficult for the actors because they're going to have to be shooting, you know, unlike a play where things are going in sequence and you are developing that, yeah. that, that momentum moment to moment in real time, the plays real time. In a movie, you, you know, you do, you might sh- it might be that you shoot the, the next to the last scene on the first day of shooting. Uh, you know, and it's, so it's, it's a very odd, it's, it's an odd business. <laughs> no, that would be difficult because if you're into the story, you, all of a sudden you have to get to the end before mm-hmm. you shot the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, mentally, yeah. how do you do that? Well, well, that's, it, that's it, a job for the actors. You know, um, that's a difficult job. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that makes acting difficult. Um, but as far as the, but as far as the, the uh, as far as the writing goes, um, you know, the, I mean, the writer is the first person that really has the full vision of the entire story. Uh, it is called, you know, in, in movies it's called, and rightfully so, I suppose, uh, a director's uh, medium because it is the, quote, director's vision that is the thing. And, you know, directors get the proprietary credit, which I don't really believe in. And a lot of times you'll read an ad or, you know, a, a blurb about a movie. They won't even mention the writer, uh, which is shameful. 
Uh, one of the great things yeah. about television, yeah. One of the great things about television is that it is absolutely a writer's medium. Uh, and if, you know, if you happen to look at like a series, you know, uh, the director will change from week to week to week. The, the directors can be very much more like a hired gun. Uh, but the writer mm-hmm. is the person who is the executive producer usually. It is the writer that's in charge and the writer that years and maybe two or three year vision of the show is, and is, is very much a writer's medium. And, um, it, it has reflected itself in the curriculum at UCLA. When I first started teaching there, the only writing classes that we had were all feature length screenwriting classes. And over the years, uh, that has changed. And now there are at least as many, probably more, television writing classes, which, which, is, which is rightfully true because uh, so many of our writers are writing, are, are, are successful uh, writing in television right now. We have people writing in Insecure, and, and uh, one of my favorite uh, young women, uh, Susan uh, Arneson, who for um, several years had been the only um, uh, female uh, writer on, um, oh God, I'm going to forget the story, a very raunchy uh, animated series, uh, of course, his title eludes uh, me. Uh, but just just now, got the job as executive producer and writer on Tick, uh, which is uh, oh, wow. gigantically successful right away. Um, and uh, we've got uh, women writing for for, for Rain, and uh, you know, guys writing for I'm Dying Up Here, and uh, I mean, just so many about people. Uh, one of our uh, Amy Anyobi is a writer and uh, producer on Insecure, uh, which you know. So one of the beautiful things about television is that. Uh, is that it, it is uh, you know opening up things for uh, for minorities in a really interesting way mm-hmm. that before instead of people just being cliches you know now you're getting to see real lives of real people uh, it's you know it's, it's it's a boon it really is. It's exciting to me you know that you know yeah absolutely diversity has to be there because we have so many talented people and it shouldn't go against anything you know it should be no. about talent. And I think what Nancy is saying, this is hard. It's not your book. It, it's the actual thing about being a screenwriter. And, and the reality is half of the time, we, like you were saying, we really don't know who wrote what. It's about, oh, yep. the director. And even the directors and producers don't get it as much as the actors. Oh, the actors you know. and actresses. The actors and mm-hmm. actresses, you know. Then it comes down to, oh, the screenplay, well, whatever, it was written from this book. Was it as good as the book? You know, here we go. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. that whole part. And I, that's one of, the, one of the great reasons of having you on the show today was to shed that light of what, a, what it is like to be a screenwriter, to write a screenplay, and the, the work that goes into it. We just interviewed Amy Fox. Uh, she created um, the very first transgender sitcom huh. in Canada, and uh-huh. it's called The Switch, and it's, it's really it's funny. It's really funny. And she talked about how hard it was to make it happen. Mm-hmm. What was it like to actually get something have it air on TV. She did it as a uh, Indiegogo kind of thing, mm-hmm. or what are the uh-huh. crowdfunding things, mm-hmm. and then got it on TV. Now finally getting into uh, distribution. Now that you know, we didn't have that. I mean, now you can go and watch MacGyver on Amazon or whatever you want. The A Team, whatever you know, Mr. T. Um, you can have this distribution that's bigger now. But the work that went into not only write it, she was, it was like like five to seven years for mm-hmm. a, an idea to come through. And then being transgender with all the roles being played by transgender actors. And it's excellent. I mean, it's amazing to me how hard and how much work goes into it. I don't want to put people off, but I think what's great about your book and our discussion today is about if you're going to do it, do, do it, man. Go for it. Yep. <laughs> but it, That's it's right. not... It's not. It's not something you do half-ass, basically. Well, I don't. I don't think you can. Yeah. You won't be successful. I mean, I would use this as the Bible, um, mm-hmm. because it does take you through everything you're going to need to know, as far as I can tell. And I've always, you know, I think all of us have this idea that I can write a novel or a memoir or, a, you know, a play or something. Was got that thing going on in the back of your mind, you know, and this is kind of like this is very much in your face. If you want to do it, go do it, and here's how. And then you even have the exercise where you get to write out all your excuses why. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part because the exercise about procrastination. Uh huh. I love that because you know every morning we have to get up and go to work at the computer and sometimes we decide to go outside on the the you know on the patio and look at the birds 
<laughs> yeah. We're like, we're yeah. not ready yet, okay? You got to do it. You got to do it. Get I, 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 you know, I, I, I do that exercise. It's, it's, it's really funny to do it in, in, a, in a large lecture class because I have everybody write down, like, just three things they do to procrastinate. And yeah. uh, if there's 100 people, you know, I'll have my, my assistant you know, collect the cards and we'll write them all on the board. And there'll be this huge, huge, huge pile of things. And then underneath it all, in very small letters, I write the word writing. Uh, you know, so it's like, you know, it's like Sisyphus looking at the huge boulder. Uh, but, it, but it, it, you know, it, it, it speaks to exactly what you're saying, that if you want to do it, there is just so much you have to overcome. Um, you have to treat it. Uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell says, to be good at anything, you have to work out at 10,000 hours. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's not untrue, uh, you know, for, for anything, for writing also. Uh, there are, um, you know, thousands and thousands of scripts that are written every year by people all over the country, uh, and, you know, maybe 100, 150 of them get made into films, and another, you know, number get made into television scripts, uh, but the odds against it are large, and, that, you mm-hmm. know, what are you going to do, I say to each person, uh, to make, you know, to put your name higher and higher and higher uh, on that list of possibilities. Where you, you know, uh, w- w- one of the most inspirational um, uh, responses I had to that, there was a guy who I really loved who's now quite successful in the, in the his name is Dave Johnson. Um, and I, actually, I, I quote a couple of his uh, scenes in, in, in my book. Uh, but we turned him down. He, had, he applied to the UCLA screenwriting program. We turned him down like either three or four times. Uh, until oh. he finally got in. Yes, he was very persistent. Uh, but uh, now he teaches at mm. UCLA and, and writes. But one of the things that, that I love that he said to, to the students uh, that he talks to when he comes and guest speaks in my class, he said what he did during those four years where he was rejected was rather than <laughs> sitting around and sulking, he said he wrote 12 screenplays. And wow. he, calls wow. them, he calls them his practice scripts. Uh, and I think that is just the best possible attitude to have. Um, one of the things that people think is because it's so hard when they've written their first one, they think they've now arrived. You know, think maybe, you, you know, you're a painter. Was the very first thing you painted the best thing you ever did in your life? Uh, you know, oh, I, dude, I, I, I painted a, I, a guy's portrait. He looked like a pumpkin by the time I was done, and he paid me for it, and I was like, sucker. <laughs> wow, you gave her the truth syrup today. Uh-huh. But now you watch you watched your daughter, uh, you know, uh, learn how to walk. You know, the first thing you're right. doing is crawling. I mean, did she did the first time she tried to stand up? Did she do a ballet uh, jeté across the floor? No, of course not. No, you know, the first the first <laughs> you know? thousand things she did was fell down. And did you say you're supposed to stand up? I'm ashamed. No, of course not. Uh, you know, so you don't want to be ashamed of your failures or, or the things that you do until you succeed at it. You just have to keep working at it, and eventually, if you work hard enough, it will come to you. Um, you know, it was great. She looked at the ground like, oh, so that's where you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wanted, I wanted to ask, because you talk about the first screenplay, what do you think about someone like Quentin Tarantino that said he's only doing this many, I don't know if it was this many screenplays or this many movies he's going to do, and that's that. And like each one has to be absolutely these epic things, not necessarily epic in, in dollars, but um, they're, even if you don't get them now, you'll get them like 20 years later maybe. I don't know, but it's he has this like he's only making this many movies and that's that. I mean, where does that come from, do you think? <laughs> I, I'd say that it comes from his uh, uh, you know ego or his sense of who he wants to be thought of uh, in history. Mm. And every single one, every single artist goes into it for a different reason. Uh, and um, I mean, look at Woody Allen. Woody Allen has decided something different. He's decided he will make a movie every year of his life until he dies. And he's made, you know, like 50 movies. He has this incredible uh, output of work. And some of them you think are great, and some of them you think are less than great. But he shows up to work every single day. He's not thinking mm-hmm. about how history is going to think about him. But it doesn't say that, he, that the way he thinks of himself is better than the way Tarantino thinks of himself. We all become artists because of what it is that we want out of the artistic life. Um, mm. What made me an artist, well, maybe you decide to do this for life. Uh, I was 20 years old. Uh, I was working two jobs in New York. I was working at a, as a bellhop at a hotel and a, and a waiter at a restaurant. I had just written in my first couple of plays and 
I was standing. It was 8 in the morning on a Monday morning. I had just worked 16 hours in a hotel. I was about to go to my restaurant job, and I was standing outside the subway station at 34th Street and 6th Avenue, the most busy place in the world, Macy's, Gimbal. Thousands of people are just gorging themselves out of the subway at 8 in the morning on the first day of the work week. And I was standing above them watching their faces as they came out. And their faces were like grim or angry mm-hmm. or indifferent mm-hmm. or, 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 or just or, or resigned. Uh, and it was just the beginning of the first day of the work week <laughs> of their lives. And I just thought to myself, I never want to have that expression on my face. I want to get away with doing what makes me happy for as long as I possibly yeah. can. Yeah. That's, yep. you know, that's what it was that's for me. Killer. It's not the same for everybody, but that's what it was for me. Um, and right. every one of us has to, you know, have something that drives us because, Passion. you know, you, you're talking about Miss Fox and it took five or seven years thing that she cared about on. We have to have such stamina and such belief in the things that we do because it's not like working at a bank where there's a sort of, you know, a, 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 a steady a channel of 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 of, 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 um, uh, of appointments. You know, you get you go from this. To you have to wear to high heels for that. We don't want to do banking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is Lisa and I lived in Africa for a long time, and I had a magazine in You're Africa. You're making me older. Yeah, and Winnie Mandela <laughs> came and took it away, ah, and ah. yeah, and we left because well. It was Otherwise, time to you'd go. Be in trouble. Being American, yeah. You'd be in big trouble. So mm. when we got back to this country, um, my mom, this is so funny. She said, "Why don't you?" were like, "Okay, what are we going to do?" Okay, so back we, to the magazine. Yeah. So we went and got what she called normal jobs. You know, mm-hmm. and then as soon as we could, Lisa were like, "Okay," and I decided never to do another magazine. And then it was like, "Okay, let's do another of magazine." We're doing it. <laughs> and she said, "Why don't you just go get a real job?" And we we're like. What? No, no, that that no, that was not what we said. There was a lot of really good language that came out, and that was it. We're doing a magazine, and then everywhere we started doing market research. Oh, we don't need another magazine. That's it. Yeah. I felt like yeah. George Costanza. And then, we're and doing then, it. Yeah. And then because we said blend, we were going to be the blend. We were going to have a little bit of everything. And America's specialized. <laughs> Everybody's put in a little corner here. You can only be yep. a wildlife magazine. You can only be a food magazine. Yeah. And so we decided no. We're doing all of it because we like it, and all. they're like, "It'll never work." Well, well, here we are, 20 years later. Yeah. Hello. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Cool like that, but but I, I wanted to ask this because the world has changed. Like since we started the magazine, we were in print, and uh, you know now, I mean, I, I even look at Tallfellow, who you work with, and and you know we they've been on, we've been covering their authors since we started radio for over 10 years now. And, you know, doing radio, because we just were walking around interviewing people and putting MP3s on our website, and then all of a sudden uh-huh. all this stuff happened, and we were like, let's rock it, you know? But, um, yeah, I remember Dr. Heisinger came yeah. on our show through Tall Fellow many, yet yeah, over mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And um, the thing that's interesting to me is how mediums change, and that's why I love mm-hmm. that, you know, this is the 15th anniversary of mm-hmm. your book, uh, and everybody writes screenplays that sell. Um, when you look at now their self-publishing, and there's all these, these, you can produce your own album, you can make your own movie, there's you know, Hulu and Vimeo and all these places you can put your own thing on, um, which is cool, but I am getting to this, I'm, I, the self-publishing thing, I mean, the other night, you know, Nancy was like, well, how did that book go? I was like, I threw it across the room. And it's not <laughs> that I'm being mean, it's just like, if you can't stop the amount of typos that you have and you go through this process, it's rude. I can't tell our readers or listeners to pay money for the book. And the book that I'm talking about doesn't even have a price tag on it. For, you know. Anyway, there's, there's this issue of people it's being able to do something which I really mm-hmm. love. I love independence. I, you know, we have our own magazine. Mm-hmm. We love mm-hmm. independence. And it doesn't mean, like with what we do, that we don't make mistakes because, yes, there's typos. But there is something that, I mean, with, with your book, can it help people that want to make their own movie online or do web series, that kind of thing? Or is it really predominantly to make, I know the titles, you know, mm-hmm. write screenplays that sell, but what about that actually sell to your audience too, not just to someone who's going to buy this, the script. It's mm-hmm. got to actually sell to the audience without it being unfixed or directed and polished. 
Um, I'm very happy that you asked that question because one of the reasons that the that um, uh, Tolfolo uh, and I decided to do this new edition uh, really is to sp- because it really is to speak to the, all the new media that uh, that is uh, so prevalent in the world. Uh, among the major differences uh, and additions to this uh, volume of the book uh, is that it's it's focused on television. Um, you know, it, it addresses uh, that medium uh, it, with the respect that it deserves. Uh, it speaks, uh, you know, I mean, a screenplay. You know, we can call it. We can call what is written for television a screenplay. We can call it a teleplay. Uh, but uh, there are there are some significant differences, and many most most of the writing is really the same. It's the way in which uh, the piece is structured, which makes really the big difference between writing for mm-hmm. a film, you know, feature film, and for television. Uh, but this does very much address. Uh, the problems of, of writing for the television market, um, and of course it is a market, uh, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, uh, the the demands and what people are looking for. Uh, so people who are uh, interested in writing for television, uh, this book I think would be very helpful for uh, for them as well. Um, mm. uh, among the among the students that I've had, um, a couple of them are doing exactly the kinds of things that you talk about. A woman named Lisa Ebersol. Um, has a, a web series called 37 Problems, which is stupendously funny. You know, each of the episodes is like, you know, six or seven minutes long, and she's got about, I think, about 12 of them. Uh, uh, so, yes, uh, the, the, the I, everything has good sides and bad sides. I think the fact mm. that there is all of the possibility of making your own stuff, you know, you, I mean, you can make a movie on, on an iPhone now, uh, mm-hmm. Really, um, but uh, you know, but distribution, yeah. as you hinted at, is the big thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, back back, uh, you know, in, in not that long ago, uh, before all the new kinds of uh, production and uh, you know and 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 vast um, independent distribution began, there were the gatekeepers in publishing. You know, there were the six major publishers, and you had to get mm-hmm. past one of those editors or published. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in, there were three networks, and you had to get past those gatekeepers. There were eight studios, you had to get past those gatekeepers. Um, you know, now you can circumvent all of those gatekeepers uh, and storm the gate. You know, <laughs> there's a movie called Barbarians of the Gate. You know, we can storm the gate. Uh, <laughs> there, there are you know ways of making a product without having to go through all of the what what had been. Uh, the the nuts, you know, the, the hoops that you mm-hmm. had to go through. Then the question is, if, you, if it's a feature film, what do you do with it? How do you get it seen? Uh, if it's a web series, how do you get it seen? How do you distinguish what you have done from, you know, which which might be, let's say, very good, you know, from the morass, the massive stuff that is mm-hmm. done just because it can be done. Uh, you know, right. with all the That's typos, as you said, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just being, you know, mediocre. I mean, there is. It, it, the fact that there is not real a gatekeeper now has opened the gates not just to hidden quality, but for uh, you know the massive mediocrity, and and it's a problem. It, 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 I mean, you have experienced it in the ways that you have. It mm-hmm. is definitely it is definitely a problem. Um, mm. There, in in all walks of life, there are always people that are much better at you know at pitching, at being the PT Barnum, than really of being able to produce the product. And that's just something uh, you know one mm. we hope. We can just hope and have faith that things of quality uh, will will manage to rise through and be seen and be and be heard. Uh, but there's no guarantee of that for sure. There's absolutely, you know, in the artistic world, there is absolutely no guarantee. There are a lot of, um, you know, valued and and brilliant writers, composers, musicians, you know, who might die without their work ever having really been heard by the ears and seen by the eyes that they hope it will be, and a bunch of mediocre people whose stuff will somehow. Um, you know, get out there. There's, there's, there's no way to really prevent that except for the hope yeah. that quality will assert itself. Um, but I, you know, I, I completely agree with you um, that uh, you know that there is that mixed blessing. You know, you can you can do things now, make things, and get them out in the seeable world that didn't exist before. Um, and you know, uh, I think that is a great blessing for the people who have the goods to deliver. And um, mm. you know, I, I, I do believe. Uh, that people who really aspire to and care about doing their very best work, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely worth 
and, I, and that's the reason that it is to those people for the most part that this book has been written. Um, I, you know, I, I think that it that people who read this seriously will be inspired to know that the story that they have to tell has value to it, even if it's and especially if it is something personal that happened in their own lives, that it will speak to the value and to the individuality and to the worth of our own human experience. Um, and I think that's the thing that touches most of us most deeply. I, I find it valuable whether, because we do our own little video work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have a new series, 60 Seconds Spotlight or 60 Seconds of This, because we understand attention span now. And um, so we can post it on Instagram. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. and um, your, all your, like your scenograms and all your, this, the, I find this is, is it, or it, it's going to help me organize my brain. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, kudos to you for that because that's a big yeah. job. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's what Nancy said that your book's a Bible. I remember, um, you know, when when we did a lot of. Uh, creative fiction and fiction uh, writing and non- creative nonfiction and fiction writing. There mm-hmm. was a book like The Writer's Way. I remember, mm-hmm. like, even mm-hmm. as a teenager, being addicted mm-hmm. to that book, The Writer's Way, and thinking, yeah. wow, and that's how it really helped me even in school and writing my papers because I went to 16 schools and I had to write a thing for Macbeth you and everyone. You the same paper so, in every time. But I would my tweak it. Cinnabar, don't, you turned in but my learned, horse Cinnabar 16 But times. I learned through that process of getting it better and better each time. And I was getting older and better. Mm-hmm. But, but it, these, these kinds of books that if you're going to do your craft, it, you, you can't just willy-nilly it. Some people once in a blue moon make it, but we're in a different world now. Like there are hundreds and thousands of people writing, and you better be at the top of your game, and you need to have the education. You need to put the sweat equity into understanding what you're doing, and we'll save you much time, so much time later. And it, to me, books like what you've done are like invaluable to anybody in the creative sphere, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, especially now too, where you know a lot of writers are you know working the bellhop job, or you know working mm-hmm. in a restaurant, or and and then coming home, and how uh, can we go to college? And let's not even talk about the education system these days. So being able to have a book that can guide you through it, and you can take your time and do it, I think is invaluable. Oh, that's that's my sales pitch for and you. I think, <laughs> I think you should read it when I'm done. And do I am. I'm already play, Do your screenplay from My Horse Cinnabar. Okay, I will. I will. Because she did seriously turn the paper in six. I've times. written screenplays, and they're, it's hard. And um, that was when I was younger, <laughs> trying to learn stuff. But how uh, we appreciate. I know that you just got back home from Italy, so we don't want to like tire you out here. But we want to know what your champagne <laughs> toast is, and we want you to have some more champagne before you go to sleep. With your jet lag, if you have I will indeed. Uh, first of all, I just want to say to you, thank you very much for this opportunity of talking to you too. Uh, you're quite wonderful, uh, both of you, and I've listened to some of the podcasts uh, that you've done previously, and you really have a great verve about about you, and you really bring out the best in other people. So I very much appreciate uh, being thank part you. of. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That uh, means a lot. I, I, yeah, I, I would say. Um, I mean, when when Philip Roth, the, the great American novelist, retired. Um, people asked, well, what, what are you going to do? And he said that he wanted to reread a lot of his old uh, work. Um, and he was then asked, well, what he thought about it, what, you know, what was his opinion. And um, what touched me about what he said, and I'm going to, I, I quote him, uh, because he quoted, you know, he could have easily have given a very erudite, scholarly, uh, you know, appreciation of his own work, but he quoted a, a, an, an illiterate, close to a literate boxer, uh, Joe Lewis, who, uh, when I was growing up, was the heavyweight champion of the world mm. in 1950. Mm. And when mm. Joe Lewis was asked to evaluate his career, he said something that then Philip Roth uh, quoted. He said, I did the best I could with what I had at the time. Mm. And I yeah. just love that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that if every writer, if every one of us at the end of each day can say that with absolute truth, not as an excuse for screwing up, but as an absolute truth to say, I did the best I could today with what I had at the time. I don't think you can ask for any, any, anything more. Um, mm. So that's, that's, mm, like you know, that. that's, that's what I would leave. Um, that's what I would leave people with. And, and of course, uh, usually when I sign my books, I usually write just 
be brilliant, you know. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Be brilliant. I love that. Be I love brilliant. that quote, too. It's like, who could ask for anything more? That's right. I like that. That's right. But you know, if you're yes. going to be honest, there's going to be a lot of days when you know you didn't do the best with what yeah. you had. But that's your checkmark system. Mm-hmm. And when it's something simple it. like that, and that's what you answer to every day, mm-hmm. then you have to bring in integrity and you know, your passion has to go in alignment. And it's like, you know, that's what you have on your, you know, you you can't lose the integrity if you're going to do that. No. That's right. That's, that's absolutely that's right. Cool. And Very the fun. cool. And the excitement. Yeah. The fun. It's mm-hmm. fun. I mean, creativity is so much fun. Like the exercises to me, that's fun stuff. It's like my brain goes, oh, like, yippee, can I do this all day long? Because uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I love answer, things the, like that. And the answer is yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> Hal, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Again, the book is out now. It, it releases today, so now we can go get another bottle of champagne. It's That's called Right Screen Plays That Sell the Ackerman Way. Uh, go to tallfellow.com, of course, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places. It's there. Uh, you can also follow Hal on Twitter at Hal Ackerman. So uh, follow him, and, uh, you know, you guys post stuff, and I hope you post some photos of Italy for us to see. Yeah. I will do that. I'll do that. Cool. Thank you very awesome. much. Okay. Thank you. You take care and, take and care. Uh, don't behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the deal. Okay. okay. Arrivederci. 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 Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>